Father, we thank you for this time that we have to come together to study your word, to take a look at Luke 12, uh, help us to have more wisdom and understanding as we approach this text, as we approach this parable, and we thank you for all the parables and the lessons that we learn from them, and I pray that, again, we would learn a very important lesson uh, in this parable today, in Jesus' name, amen. As we start out, uh, there's a good illustration. It says, one man met another uh, in a streetcar one day. And they began to talk about a millionaire whose death had been announced that morning in the paper. How much did he leave, one asked. Um, All he had, the other answered. (laughs) Uh, We are going to be talking about Um, The rich fool today. And let's read this parable, this passage as we start out today. It's in Luke 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, soul, uh, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. As I came to this parable, it immediately became evident that this is a very important lesson for us today. Um, We just have to acknowledge the society in which we live in, which is a very materialistic society. Um, Everyone wants more and more and more, and there is never enough. Um, We are much like Lot, who is on the city Uh, on the outskirts of the city, right? We need to be careful that we don't become like the world and always seeking materialistic possessions. And at the outset of this uh, sermon, I do want to clarify a few things about money. I'm going to do that in 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 10. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Money is not bad in itself. Um, Same with our possessions. They aren't bad of themselves. They are just things in our life. But how our attitude towards our money and our possessions does make a big difference, right? It is not... Money that is the root of all evil it is the love of money that is the root of all evil. God doesn't even uh, forbid having wealth or having possessions. Um, and actually sometimes these, he gives us, ultimately he does give us all these things to use in accordance to his will. 
Go to verse 17 here, right? As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, right? God who richly provides us with those things. And so we have to, as I'm looking at this, the parable doesn't shed very positive light on possessions or wealth. Um, Because it is a warning. Jesus is warning this man who uh, asked him the question and everyone else as well about the dangers of how we treat our material possessions. Um, But don't look at your life and say, well, I have things, so that must be a bad thing. It doesn't matter really how much you have. What matters is your attitude towards what you have. It's interesting, um, I'll point this briefly, there are times where even the finances or the money of the person in the New Testament was evidence of their salvation, which sounds weird, but you could think of Zacchaeus, um, who once was confronted with the gospel, did what, right? He said, I'll give, I'm going to give away those things, and that was an evidence, right? wasn't the thing that saved him, but it showed that he truly understood the gospel, that the material things of this world didn't matter anymore because he was focused on eternity. Likewise, you have the rich young ruler who was the exact opposite, right? When confronted with the gospel, with confronted with the thing that was going to block him, his wealth, right? Jesus says, sell your possessions, and what? He walks away because he couldn't give up those material possessions because he didn't understand the gospel, ultimately. So, again, money, possessions aren't necessarily bad as we approach this sermon, um, but our attitude towards them really does matter. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. I like a quote that Mark Twain had. He said he once defined civilization as a limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. And that's sometimes how we need to think about our life. Um, So to get into this, we have the picture of covetousness. And we see this demand. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, sell my brother, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Um, Notice he doesn't ask him. He says, tell him. Um, He's demanding him. This man assumes that he's in the right And it's interesting, we don't know anything about this, so really it's not wise to read into this man at all. We don't know if he's the younger, although we might assume that. We don't know if he's in the right here. We don't know if he's in the wrong here. Um, We don't know anything about this man. Probably his brother was there, and he's probably like, look, teacher, tell my brother right here that he needs to split the inheritance with me. And it's interesting here because we get the response from Jesus. And it's a very interesting response. He says, he said to him, man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? Now, coming from Jesus, that is quite an interesting statement. Who made me judge? Um, We might say God made you judge, right? He is the judge of the world. Uh, We learned that in Acts 10.42 and many other places. And he says the arbitrator here is a divider, or partitioner, or a distributor. Um, and what Jesus is getting here is who, as ultimately it's not his goal to 
deal with, I don't want to say the mundane, but the little things of this world. Um, the teacher here that he points to, right? Teacher, tell my brother, that's rabbi. And this is something that rabbis normally did. This would have been something that if they went to a different rabbi, they would have tried to fix this. People would go to them with these kind of problems, um, and the rabbi would um, kind of judge that scenario and decide what to do. And so the man's basically treating him like a rabbi, split this up. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm here for. Ultimately, Jesus's goal was what? Seek and save the lost. He's not worried about whether you're going to get your inheritance or not. And it's interesting because he doesn't get the response I'm sure he wanted. And Jesus then points out the real heart of the issue. And he said to them, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. The issue isn't in the material, in getting the inheritance and having a, what we might call, a fair split. Jesus is looking at the spiritual. Beware of all covetousness. Now, it makes you think, like, what is this covetousness? And I want you to think for a moment. Think about top ten sins. Like, if you were to list sins in order, what do you think your top ten sins would be? Um, lying, cheating, stealing. Um, what would you list as the top ten sins? And it's very interesting um, you might come up with a lot of things. Hopefully you would point to what God does. If you go to Exodus 20, 17, the Ten Commandments, right? It says in verse 17, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servants or his female servants or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Coveting um, is a serious sin. And I think it's one, at least in my own life, that I'm not sure I think about. And I don't know if that's as much as I should. And I don't know if it's a result of living in the society which I live in. But coveting, right, it's this greediness um, an entire disregard of the rights of others, right? Greed. It's a greedy desire to have more, more, and more. I mean, it's interesting. I usually think of greed and coveting in a way in which someone has something in which that I want, and so I'm coveting, right? Much like here, you covet your neighbor's house, you covet their Wife, their male servants, female servants, ox, donkeys, anything that is your neighbor's, right? And I always think material possessions, maybe like money. I always think of maybe cars or something like that. But it can also be of sexual nature as well, right? Your neighbor's wife coveting those things, anything. Um, but it can go beyond just even your neighbor's stuff, just things that you want in general, um, when you covet something, not because other people have it, just because you want it. You want more, more, and even more. And so many times it can be 
because someone else has something, but sometimes it can be just because you want it. It's, again, a greedy desire to have more. And so we need to beware of that. And so that's the real issue, covetousness. All covetousness, right? And he says the warning, take care, be on guard. Notice how he says this way, take care, be on guard, pay attention to this, really make sure you don't do this. Take care, be on guard against all, right? All different kinds of covetousness. And then he says something that needs to be proclaimed today, right? You are more than the abundance of your possessions. The abundance is to be in excess, to exceed in number um, and measure, right? It's above and beyond. You are more than the abundance of possessions. The more than abundant possessions is interesting because many times in life when we have more, when we have more possessions, when we have more things, we begin to be be connected with them in a very interesting manner. And I was trying to think about how to illustrate this in a way, um, and the only thing I could come up with is someone like Elon Musk, right? And when you think of Elon Musk, you often think of his wealth, right? Because he's the wealthiest person. In some ways, he's become connected with that thing. Um, And many times, we personally do that. We become and identify with those things in our life, whether it's a certain possession we have. Maybe sometimes it's the wealth we have. Um, Many different things. And the problem with that is it's all material possessions. And material possessions eventually get old. Eventually they rust. Eventually they um, lose interest or whatever you want to say, right? It could be a house, car, boat, those kind of things. And once those things go out, then we what? We get greedy or covetous, and we want more, right? And then those things go out, and we want more, and we're constantly trying to gain material possessions because in some form or another, we might be connected or feel connected with them. We become like a man who's trying to, drink, who's trying to quench his thirst, and by doing so, he drinks salt water, because he feels like it's going to make it better. And he keeps drinking that salt water, and his thirst is never quenched. When we're thinking about this life here, it's important that this life isn't defined by our material possessions, but rather our spiritual, right? We should be a people who are seeking the kingdom of heaven. That is where our treasure lies. So that is the man, right? Beware, take care against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So that is the picture of covetousness, but then we have the products of them. And so he goes on with this parable, and he starts explaining some of the products of covetousness. He says, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, And he thought to himself, what shall I do? 
for I have nowhere to store my crops. When you're reading this parable, and when I first read it, and even a long way into my study, it's interesting because you read them and you think, well, would I think any differently than this man? And I don't know if I would. That's the hard part about this parable. Uh, it makes sense from a logical human standpoint. It's like, well, what's he doing wrong? He got a plentiful harvest and he's deciding to keep this plentiful harvest. Wouldn't we all do that? And so it's <laughs> with that perspective, I'm like, well, I really need to pay attention to this parable because maybe I really need to learn something. The products, one of them is we become deceived. He, he forgets, right? Notice, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. What produced plentifully? The land. Um, you could, in another sense, say it was God who gave him the produce, that, the land that produced plentifully. So he became deceived. He forgot an important part of this life, which is he is just a manager. God gives him to manage the things which God gives him, and it matters how we do that. He deceived himself in thinking that he was the boss of this life. So as the managers, we have that responsibility. Don't be deceived. Everything you have in this life has been given to you by God. And so when you think about it, well, God has given me this, then it's important. How am I going to use it for his glory? So it's that thinking rightly. So he became deceived. And then he became selfish. And he says, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns. I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Selfish. Notice the selfishness. What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I will do this. I will tear down my barns. I will store my grain, my goods. I will say, my soul. <laughs> you get it? I, 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 my, my, my. Six times it says I. Four times it says my. In this very short little passage, he was selfish. He completely forgot about anything and everything else except for himself. And he starts to store, as he says, my grains and my goods. And it's interesting, the goods shows up here. Um, before it was just the grain. But now he has goods, right? With prosperity comes more goods that he purchases. And there's many things he could have been thinking about. He could have said, well, I have this. I should give some to God. And maybe I have some family that needs it. Maybe I should give some to the poor and needy and then maybe um, even keep some for myself, right? But the idea was he didn't think about anything else. No one else was on his mind except for himself. And again, um, he said it was all right. I have this abundance um, and the abundance is very important, right? It's not that he just has exactly what he needs to get through. And it's that he has this abundance that has been given to him very quickly. 
and he's deciding what to do with it. And he says, I have this abundance, so I'm just going to keep it all for myself. And so, again, I was thinking, you know, when you're a kid, and even when you're older, um, sometimes you might get this question, well, what would you do if you won the lottery? Have you ever gotten that question before? Um, it's something interesting to think about, and you can reflect on your answer now. But, you know, what if someone said, what would you do with $10 million if someone just handed to you, right? That would be the abundance of possession. You could think about it and say, well, I'll just keep it all, and I'll just live off of that. I'll invest it or whatever. I'll just keep it for myself. Um, when you think about it, what would you do in, the, in that situation? That's essentially what happened to this man. He got that, well, he won the lottery. He said, I'm just going to keep it all. So he became selfish. But then we become another product, right? A product of being deceived, a product of selfishness, and then we become unsatisfied. He says, right, those barns that were good in the past, right, he, now he needs to tear them down and build bigger barns, larger ones. There he can store all that he needs. It's interesting, when we get more, we create more room to put those things in which we get, and then we need more things to fill up that space in which we created, and then we need more space to fill up that. And so we build again, and we get more, and we build again. It can become a cycle in many's lives, right? You get a house, you need a bigger house. You get a barn, you need a bigger barn. You get a shed, you need a bigger shed. And it's so sad because he thought that that would satisfy him. He tells himself, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods, right? He's taking... Um, pride in this. He's feeling like that will satisfy his soul. And we need to just acknowledge material possessions will never satisfy your soul. He thought to his soul, right? Be happy. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. Again, you're never going to be satisfied even in your ample goods. So he became unsatisfied as another product of his covetousness. But then he be, you can become an idolater. Let's go to Colossians real quick. Colossians 3.5. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Ephesians 5, 3 actually says very much the same thing. Right? But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous must not be named among you as in as is proper for the saints. And then you go to verse 5, and it says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And that is a, quite this statement when you think about it. 
that coveting is idolatry. And that's because we worship the creature rather than the creator, right? The created rather than the creator. And we slowly rely on self. Well, I have this, I have this, I have these possessions, I have this wealth. And what happens is you slowly begin to forget that God has given you those things and you start to worship those things instead of worshiping God. Proverbs points to this as well. Proverbs 30, verse 8 through 9. And he says, I'll, verse, I'll go to verse 7. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. Right? Lest I be full and deny you. He understood that many times the riches of this world can cloud our judgment and can give us this idea of self-reliance and can make us fall. So we need to beware of all of those products of covetousness, right? Not to be deceived, not to be selfish, not to be unsatisfied in this world and being careful not to be idolaters, not worshiping those things in our life. Sadly, the things God has given us people begin to worship instead of worshiping the one who gave them those things, right? Lest I be full and deny you. If someone was struggling with covetousness, it's thinking about it in that way, right? As this Proverbs is, it's just better that I don't have those things than deny you. So, we have seen the picture of covetousness. We have seen the products of covetousness. And we are going to see the penalties of covetousness. Getting back into our text here in Luke. He says, or he doesn't say, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Life ultimately becomes foolishness when we live for this world. The fool, uh, this is the unwise, the uh, imprudent or inconsiderate person. Um, It's interesting, fool isn't used that many times in the Bible, um, but a few of the times it is used, it is to talk of Someone who is an unbeliever. Um, Psalms 14.1. The fool in his heart says there is no God. And so Jesus here is essentially relating him to that fool. The one who in a sense forgot that there was a God. He was foolishly confident in this world. And this world's ample good. The abundance of this life and not the next one. And he says, this night, this soul, your soul is required of you, right? That soul that 
he told himself, eat, relax, drink, and be merry. That soul is required of him. He didn't understand that his soul was in dire need of God. That required is literally to ask back, to demand back, um, to exact something that is due. I'm taking my soul back, is, right? I'm requiring it back. That's why when we're looking at this world, contentment is so important uh, as we think about life. You can go to 1 Timothy 1, or 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, as we were here earlier. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Again, the desire to be rich, not those who are rich, um, into a snare, into my senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs, right? Contentment, but godliness with contentment is of great gain. And remembering that we brought nothing into this world and we're not going to bring anything out of this world. And so having that as a remembrance in our life and learning to be content with the things in which God has given us. So his life was foolish. He was ultimately a fool. And his life was meaningless. It's such a sad thing. Uh, Imagine being this man who got this, you could say, bumper crop. He's like, okay, well, I'm just going to store it all. I'm just going to think essentially about myself. I'm going to set up for the rest of my life. I get to just relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And then God tells him, fool, your soul is required. And then imagine hearing these, this statement as that man, and the things you have prepared, who, whose will they be? You'd probably just look at there like, man, I'm an idiot. Or at least I would. <laughs> whose will they be? It means nothing in the end. As we just read, he brought nothing in. He can't take it with him when he leaves. Nothing he did mattered in the end. That's the sad part. And it's not even sad that he, his soul is required of him that night. Because um, it could be years, years and years down the road. And if all he did was sit on his goods and eat, drink, and be merry, then the result would be the same. Nothing in his life mattered in the end. Because he was only thinking about the material possessions of this world, and he wasn't thinking about the world that is to come. Right? The old saying, you can't take it with you when you go. So his life was foolish. His life was 
meaningless, and ultimately his life was not rich towards God. It says, and this is kind of, we talked about this last week, many times with the parables you can go to the end and Jesus just lays out to you the whole entire thing so you can be sure to understand what he is saying. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Again, all those things, that selfishness of him, not thinking about anyone else, not thinking about God. He became an idolater in his thinking because of his covetousness. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself. Himself, right? The eyes, the mys. I, 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 my, my, my. The ample goods. We need to remember what Christ says on the Sermon of the Mount, right? Seek first our material possessions. <laughs> no, right? Good. I'm glad you guys are awake. So, seek first the kingdom, right? Seeking first the kingdom. The sequence matters, right? Not seek second the kingdom, not seek third the kingdom, seek first. The first thing we are seeking is the kingdom of heaven. It's the priority in our life. And you just, when you look at this parable and you think of his response that initially seems like a good response, you think, oh yeah, he, he didn't think, he wasn't seeking first the kingdom of heaven. That's for sure. And the question that we must ask ourselves is, have things become our God? Have our possessions clouded us? Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But it is something that we need to be careful of, right? It was one of the Ten Commandments. Do not covet. Here, Jesus warns, right? Beware, take care of, against all covetousness. We need to be those who are constantly doing that, constantly looking at our life and thinking, am I greedy? Am I covetous? Am I looking at the things I always want? For me, am I just looking on Amazon at night and I don't need these things, but maybe I'm just coveting them just because? We've all had probably moments like that where you really want something and you look and you say, like, I really don't need this thing. I just really want it. Have things become your God? It can be many things, right? Cars, vacations, clothes, makeup, investments, house. Things that you are seeking first instead of seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And I just like, again, as we kind of come to the end of this, possessions, God, aren't bad in themselves. Um, Wealth isn't bad in itself. Um, as we mentioned earlier, right, he richly provides those things for us. But how we treat them matters in this life. You don't want to be the rich fool who had been given a lot and only used it for yourself. And it's important to remember, right? We all need things in this life. So if you go and you buy a new car, I'm not going to be like, wow, (laughs) 
Rich fool, remember. No, right? We need things in this life. Possessions aren't necessarily bad, but we need to be very, very, very careful that we aren't being um, those who are looking to those as our God, right? When we aren't seeking first the kingdom. So that's one half of that, actually, the closing, right? So who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That is the other half of that, right? One who lays up for himself, and the other one part is not rich towards God. Not spiritually thinking, but physically thinking. And I like what Wearsby said, right? How tragic when people are, are rich in this world, but poor in the next. And it all comes down to the good old question. If you look to Luke 12, go down to verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you. All right, sorry. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heavens that does not fail, where, there's, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Where is it located? Don't be blinded by possessions. And you might say, well, what do I do? How do I know I am not blinded by possessions? Or if I am, what do I do? And Jesus just gave you the answers. He tells you, it is, first of all, your Father's good pleasure to give you. Remember the kingdom, so seek first that. Sell your possessions. If those possessions are the thing which is blocking you from seeking first the kingdom, you are much better without those possessions. Don't rely on those possessions. Just sell them, right? That was the whole thing with the rich young ruler. That was the thing that was blinding him. So he points right to it. Sell them. Get rid of them. You don't need them. You need me. And then he says, give to the needy, which will guard against the greed and the selfishness. Because when you're giving to other people, it's a selfless act. And so you're keeping your priorities, right? I don't need the possessions. I'll just, I can give to the needy, to those who need them. And then that's the first half of that, right? The one who lays, going against the one who lays up treasure for himself. And the other half, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, where the treasure in heaven, heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, right? Provide yourselves with those things. Give yourself the thing that will satisfy your soul, um, the things of God. And remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, this isn't something that we need to just look at every once in a while. Um, this is something we need to look at our life and say, where is my treasure? Is it in God? in seeking the kingdom of God. Remembering that the fool hoards away in this life and doesn't think about the next life. All right, so we saw the picture of covetousness with the man who asked for more with the inheritance all the way in the beginning. 
And then there is the products of that greed, and we saw that through the parable. And then finally, the penalties, right, of laying up treasure for this world only and not being rich towards God. As church, as believers in Christ, right, we want to be those who are rich towards God. And so with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we have to come together to look at this parable, to look at the rich fool who only thought about himself, uh, never thought about anyone else, never thought about you, and in essence became an idolater. I just pray that as we look through our own lives, that we would be thinking about those possessions in which we have and giving ourselves an honest opinion of them and making sure that those things aren't blocking us from seeking first the kingdom of heaven. Um, I just pray that you would give us wisdom and guidance in these things. In Jesus' name, amen.